welcome to The Awkward Stare, where Arlene, Jahan, and Natasha take a long, awkward look at life and deep dive into all manner of subjects. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. If you like what you hear, please share with some friends and follow us for more content. And we'd love to hear from you all. You can DM us at the Awkward Stare Podcast on IG, or please don't hesitate to email us at theawkwardstare at gmail.com. That's theawkwardstare at gmail.com. Let's get it started. Welcome to another Awkward Stare episode. Um, today we're talking about blogging, burnout, and mental health with a friend to the show, Tina Kimani. Excited to get to this episode. Um, Tina, you want to introduce the audience to yourself, what you do, who you are? Sure. So I'm Tina Kamani. I blog. I also work full-time in the tech industry, and I'm a single mom to a six-year-old boy. Um, And I'm just excited to be here and talk with you all today. Thank you for being with us. Um, So I guess we're going to just get the conversation started with, like, what made you start blogging? Yeah, so I started my blog back in 2017, I believe. Um, And I started just honestly because I felt alone. Like I was going through a divorce. I had a young newborn. I had a lot going on. And I struggled with mental health, you know, since I was a teenager. Um, And I just really didn't have anyone to relate to. So the blog was a way for me to just write out my feelings and just let everything out. Um, And I know traditionally online, you kind of put your best self forward, but I didn't have that at the time. So that's just what I was honest. And I put out, you know, everything that I was feeling in the moment. Can I ask, what is your your background? So those who don't know can know so that they have some context to like. My background in terms of like where I'm from and your cultural. Oh, cultural, yeah. yeah. So um, American, born in New York City, mm-hmm. um, but my father was born in Trinidad and my mom's side of the family is from Barbados. Do you think that's why um, being that your cultural background is, is that, do you feel like that's been a, um, why you felt like you couldn't really reach out to them about um, mental health issues and stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like strict Caribbean background, like also religious background, like you don't need anybody but Jesus. So I couldn't really talk about going to therapy or seeking help or, you know, it's especially in a Caribbean household. It's like, why do you want other people to know our business? So it's like I should suffer in silence as opposed to letting other people know that something's going on in my household. Totally get it. Yeah. And also we should say that uh, Tina is our younger brother's friend. So um, I've, you know, seen Christina here and there, you know, hanging out with Christian and things like that. And so, Christina, uh, I feel like we we had an understanding that Caribbean parents, I, I feel like that was like why Johan asked the question that, you know, Caribbean parents don't don't care about you having a mental health issue. I mean, it's only now that I feel like my parents, I don't know if this is your for your parents too, Natina, that they'll even acknowledge the fact that mental health is a thing um, or well-being is a thing, but has that changed over the years or has it gotten better? Or how has that relationship with mental health between you and your parents have gotten over the years? So it's definitely improved. Um, unfortunately, I think it came to, once it got severe, that's when it kind of improved. So I ended up hospitalized and going through a lot of things. And at that point, it's like, okay, we can't really ignore it anymore. I still struggle with my mom a bit. She has her days where she's like not trying to hear anything. And she, I realize she's dealing with her own trauma. So it's like, she can't really see anything from my point of view because she could only see from her her point of view, which I get, but it's, you know, it's unfortunate. My dad, on the other hand, he's come a long way. 
um, even despite him being in a church, my dad is a deacon. Um, he realizes how important mental health is. And he realizes that just us talking has improved our relationship tremendously. So I'm thankful that I at least have one of my parents that I could kind of vent to. And, you know, uh, that helps out. Like my son is actually with my dad today while I'm doing this. So it's helped a bit. That's awesome. That's a good sharing around. Yeah. Took a little, took a while again and took extremes, me being in the hospital and even in the hospital, like I got into it with my mother. So it's, it's, mm. it's difficult. And I feel like even with mental health, it's like we show people supporting us and it's okay and everything's good, but no, it's, I have way more rough days than I do good ones, to be honest. Um, but I just keep trying to push through and I focus on the people that do show some love and support. As a parent yourself, uh, what do you, what are you doing differently? Or are you doing anything differently um, in rearing your son or guiding Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So I got, you know, growing up, it was only speak when spoken to, don't talk back. You know, you kind of just have to accept whatever an adult gives you. We do not do that in my household at all. Um, I do a bit of gentle parenting. I try not to yell at him at all. We have conversations. And despite him being six years old, he'll come to me and he'd be like, mommy, you made me very upset when you did X, Y, Z. Um, and we'll talk about it. And he'll voice his opinions. And unlike my Caribbean parents, I actually say sorry when I'm wrong mm-hmm. because I'm oftentimes wrong. Sometimes I, you know, you kind of slip back into that. Well, this is the way my parent did it. Realizing that your parents were parenting from a place of hurt. And even though they meant well, it didn't really do anything to help in my development. So why would I be doing that to my child? So things are very, very different. Um, and that has also caused a strain in some of my relationships, especially with my mom, um, because I will always take my son's side first. And it's gotten to a point at one time I had to remove my mother from my house because she was making my child feel bad. Um, and again, Caribbean household, that's a big no-no, but I chose my child and I don't want him to have some of the same trauma that I had growing up. So I'm going to stand up for him. Just had one question. Um, what's, what's gentle parenting? Oh, so I grew up in a very hostile household, a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, a lot of get out of my house, that sort of thing. Um, I don't yell at him. For example, he drew all over the walls in my apartment. We just moved in October, by the way. <laughs> so he drew all over the walls in my apartment. Um, I wanted to scream. I wanted to yell. I wanted to curse his little behind out, but I didn't. <laughs> and I talked to him. Um, and just by talking to him, I found out that he was upset because he's not upset, but he actually just wanted to spend time with me. And it was one of my times where I was like in a depressive state. So I was like, I need like an hour to relax. And the hour turned into two hours. And he broke down and cried. And he's like, I just wanted to do activities with you. And like, even in the drawings, I see him drawing on the wall. He was drawing like labeling things and putting like, this is my bed. This is where the TV goes. It's like, you know, and it's true. I gave up, like I couldn't spend time with him because I mentally wasn't physically present. I wasn't physically present, emotionally present with him at that time. Um, and he was upset about it. And he had a right to be upset because I didn't, I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. And I know he didn't intentionally just write on the walls and think it was going to be like permanent writing. He just wanted to have fun and do activities, which is what he told me. Um, And if I was screaming at him, I wouldn't have understood that. I wouldn't have understood that my child felt alone in that moment. Um, So I just tried to take a breath. Sometimes it takes me walking away for like a solid minute. And then I come back and I'll ask a question because I am human. And sometimes like I I, want to scream. So you got to remove yourself completely. yeah, so that 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 was a, the most recent example, but I just try not to yell and I try to think about it from his point of view. And he had he had a valid reason. I was, you know, I wasn't present. 
Yeah, that was that was awesome. Thank you for explaining that. Mm-hmm. What do you wish you knew before 2020 that you were forced to learn during the pandemic? Um, I don't know if I could curse, but the first thing that came to my mind is that none of this shit matters. So 2020, all of the pandemic was a crazy time for me. I like walked off of multiple jobs for mental health and other reasons. I had an incident where I was working a six figure job. Um, it was a great opportunity, um, one that someone like me doesn't often get. And around the time the George Floyd protest came out, the CEO released an internal statement that was very different from the one that was public. And it was to the point where I was disgusted. Um, And morally, I was like, I can't work here. And I left. So I quit that job like abruptly. Um, Then I had a whole mental health crisis last year in 2021. And after six months of working somewhere, I ended up hospitalized. So I realized that the money's cute, but like, what good is it if I'm not allowed to spend it? So this year, I just learned like mental health above everything. Like it doesn't matter. Like I, I had the job with the money and I still ended up in the hospital sick, not being able to do anything. So it, it just doesn't matter. Like I need to be healthy for myself and for my son. Um, and if something doesn't make me happy or something doesn't, you know, keep me in my best form of health, like I'm not going to stay. And I know that's very like selfish millennial of me to say, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still not going to stay if I don't like it. Are there any um, self-care practices now that you are implementing to help you with any um, with, with mental health and and being a, a, a better mother or not even because, you know, I'm sure you're an excellent mother, but just being a, a mother to your to your son and, and showing him differently. Are there any practices now that you're implementing to to help you, you know, heal through all of this? Yeah, there's there's a lot I'm doing. And that's another thing, like self-care and mental health. It's a full-time job. It's a lot of work. So you got to be willing to put the work in. Um, I see a psychiatrist for medication. I see a therapist, someone that I could talk to. And, you know, I make sure I go to like a Black woman therapist just because it makes the world a difference and she can relate and help me out. Um, And that's the piece that I do for myself. Like, I think, especially as a parent, you always want to put your kid first and like, worry about them. And in doing that, I was neglecting my own health. So now I make it an effort to like go to my appointments, make sure I see my therapist, my psychiatrist, and make sure that's taken care of first. Um, In terms of other self-care, trying to do things for myself, sometimes it's like something as small as like putting eucalyptus in my shower so like it smells nice and so I could like breathe easy or like burning an incense like I'm doing right now to just sit and relax. Little things like that help in your well-being and like opening up my shade so I could get some sunlight in because I could be in a room and be in darkness and that it makes it worse. It just makes you feel like you want to be in bed all day. Um, So the little things help. Um, I also, like I said, I do gentle parenting with my son and we have full on conversations, even though he's six years old, like we talk about things and every day we talk about school and not just like, what did you do? But like, how did you feel? Um, And he'll tell me like, I didn't like when such and such did X, Y, Z because it made me sad. And I think the biggest thing is just part of self-care is talking about your feelings, which is something that's foreign to me because I could not talk about any sort of feelings growing up. It was just like, you have a roof over your head. I feed you, be thankful, be grateful. You're not allowed to be sad. Um, And I don't want that for my kids. So he's allowed to be sad. He's allowed to be angry. He's allowed to be however he wants to be. Um, He just has to express like why he feels that way or what he wants to do to rectify the situation. Self-care doesn't sound like... um 
bubble baths and <laughs> mm-hmm. get your nails done. Yeah. So and I, I do that on occasion, but like, yeah. honestly, I, my nails are always press ons because therapy is expensive. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> 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 like, it's expensive and it adds up, but I rather spend the hundred dollars on a therapy session than my nails and have cute nails and be back in the ER again. So that was, you know, it's like, what do I care more about? Um, and some people might be privileged enough to afford both. But for me, no. So I'll, I'll put my press-ons on, my $8 press-ons, and then I'll go pay for therapy, which is, you know, it's adding more value to my life, honestly, and adding more time to my life. Press-ons is cute anyway, so don't worry. About it. <laughs> okay, so one thing I want to ask is that, and I mean, not, not, not being directly related, but mm-hmm. I know you said, you know, you're leaving a job because it's not good for your mental health. I can totally relate to that regardless of the money. And you mentioned being a millennial, like or a spoiled millennial. Why do you, like, what does that come from? Can you explain that some more? You know what? I actually should, I, I said it because it's a stereotype, but I shouldn't have said it. And I'm going to clarify. <laughs> um, I get it a lot from parents or just from older people. I've got it from older people in my workplace. I've worked a lot of corporate jobs. And, you know, the thing is that we're spoiled and we don't stay where we, you know, we're not valued. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Like we're working our behind off we're in mountains of debt just coming out of college like it's a little rough so like why would we stay where we're not valued why would we stay somewhere that's shortening our lifespan um and just to give a little more context in terms of mental health like I actually been diagnosed with ADHD which is you know they don't diagnose that for a lot of black women that goes untreated for us for the most part um I also have PMDD which is premenstrual dysphoric disorder so I get like suicidal every time before my period Um, And this is something I deal with every single month. And on top of that, I also struggle with general anxiety disorder as well as major depressive disorder. So, you know, I laugh, but it's it's pretty serious Um, and it's tough, but I want to be open about what I'm going through because I know that I'm not the only one. Um, And I was I've still been able to, you know, have some success with like career and work, but it's a constant struggle. Like I literally have to make myself get out of bed every single month. Um, and sometimes I just don't have it, but, but yeah, but I, I shouldn't peg it to being a millennial because I actually do have problems. Like, and they like to say like, we're young, we're fine. Like, no, I'm not fine. Um, there's a reason I'm on medication. There's a reason I'm in therapy. And despite me leaving or job hopping or whatever, I think I'm doing a damn good job. No, I appreciate that. Cause I definitely get what you're saying. I just mm-hmm. wanted to yeah, you know, get into it a little bit more. Um, so I guess I want to ask, and it keeps coming up in my head, so I'm going to ask it anyway. How are you feeling today? Today, I'm okay. And I mean, I know that sounds pretty basic, but some days that's enough. <laughs> and I'm okay. Like, I, my dad and my son are going to see, like, Harlem Globetrotters game today. So I got to wake up on my own time. I'm up talking with you ladies. Um, and I have nothing to do the rest of the day, which is sounds amazing to me. Like, doing nothing is one of my favorite things to do. So I'm, I'm good today. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. Um, another question that I have is, uh, I don't want to take us into that rabbit hole, but, um, I'm curious what your, what it feels like to have to go, to have to go through a day when you're not doing well. Um, how do you do that? Truthfully, I don't know. Like usually I run on autopilot. Um, and part of my illness, I actually, I've had incidences where I, I don't want to say blackout. What's the proper word for it? Um, I don't know why it's escaping me right now, but anyway, I'll, it's kind of like a blackout. Like I will, when I'm in situations of high stress, 
like I'll go about my day, but not realize it. So I'll wake up in the morning and I remember waking up at the morning and then I'll be at like a desk at work. And I don't remember how I got there, anything like that. So I, I, it's, and it's hard. Like I, over the years, I've learned how to kind of bring myself back to reality and do little things to keep me like grounded. And again, they teach you techniques and therapy, like one thing you could touch, one thing you could see certain things like that, little practices, but, but it's tough. And some days I just don't have it. And that's, that's the truth. Like some days I won't make it to work. I'll call out and I'll sleep. Um, or I'll like, thankfully I have a good support system. So I'll have someone come get my son for me, um, for the day. But yeah, I just, truthfully, I don't have it sometimes. And like, it might look great. It might look like I'm doing well in my career and I have it all together. I'm figuring it out day by day. Like there are some days I just don't have it. And I wish I had like a better answer, but yeah, (laughs) some days sleep is what I need or rest or, or I just need to cry it out or whatever, which is another thing that growing up, you know, we're not allowed to cry. So (laughs) now I try to, and I try to let it out. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for that. How do you make yourself be so open? Like say, okay, well, this is good for my mental health. Yeah. I think a lot of us want to be that way, but we we're worried about how it looks on the, on the outside. What I've realized is sometimes as melanated people, we worry about what other people think so much so that it becomes detrimental to our own psyche. But how do you push against that and say, well, I understand like you're looking at me in a certain way, but I'm going to be open and honest about what I'm going through. Yeah. And that's, and that's real because we are judged differently. Like we, you know, we can't always be emotional or like going through something and we're seen as different for that. But I got to a point where I was just, I was fed up. Um, and I know I'm not the only one. And I know how hard it is to be like a woman or a black woman in corporate world, being a parent, doing all these things. And I'm like, I can't be the only one going through this. Um, and I just got tired and I spoke up and I realized like, I don't want to be like the generations before me. Cause I look at a lot of them and they're, they're not happy. They're miserable. They have a lot of like trauma that they didn't unpack. And it just keeps going from generation to generation. And I don't want that for my son. I don't want that for his potential future kids if he wants that. Um, so I just decided to like make a change and speak and do something to help myself. Um, um, and it's kind of part of my growing up. I kind of grew up having to be in survival mode. Like my parents took care of me financially. I think I took care of them emotionally. And in doing that, I never took care of myself emotionally. So I'm finally at a point where it's like, I have a kid, like I need to take care of myself so he could be okay. And I think one of the biggest events, I, I talked briefly about me being hospitalized. So I was hospitalized last April. Um, again, about with my PMDD, I ended up suicidal. I got checked into the hospital. Um, I was in there for two weeks and then I did a mental health rehab for about two to three months afterwards that I got to do from home, like virtually. And that changed my life. Um, and that's something that I don't, I don't think I've ever heard any other black person doing something like that until I got there and met other people like me. And it changed my outlook on things. Cause like, I think there's such a stigma around like mental hospitals or like, you know, that sort of thing or being hospitalized for, uh, for psychiatry, for, sorry, for psych issues. Um, and when I got there, it was like lawyers and people in finance and people that were doing well, people that just were having bad days. And it just wasn't at all what I thought it was. And there was a lot more people like me than not like me. Um, And it just opened my eyes to a lot of things and realizing how helpful it is to talk to other people and relate to other people 
who had the same type of issues. Um, and to this day, like I still am connected to some of the people that I met in the hospital and we like meet up and do lunches and we talk and like try to decompress with one another because it's true. Sometimes when you're going through something like severe, your friends or your family might want the best for you, but they may not be able to relate or understand. So it's nice to have that little circle that I have and I could go to them when I'm having a horrible day and they can really help me get through some things. Thank you for that. That's definitely helpful. And for people who need to reach out to others, have you ever tried to reach out to anybody outside of that circle? Um, because I'm just wondering, like for people who don't have that um, support, how do, how do they find people who are- Find their tribe. Yeah, find your tribe. How do you yeah, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. Like I think if you find one person, you could find someone else because your friend might have a friend and it's 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 touchy at first because I feel like especially we talked about Caribbean household, Caribbean background, mm-hmm. you don't want to share too much of your business. And we're all, you know, we're New Yorkers. We're taught not to trust everybody. <laughs> so it's super, super difficult to find someone. Um, so I just happen to find them through therapy. I do have a couple of best friends that I have um, that I'll go to them. And like if someone that I've known for like 15 plus years is like, all right, I I really want to talk to you about something. And you could say like, I just need you to listen right now. Cause sometimes people might try to like say, it's not that big a deal. Like you could say like, Hey, like I just need to vent to you right now. I just need to get this out right now. Um, and on the flip side, some days I'll ask them like, Hey, do you have the bandwidth to hear like about what I'm going through in this moment? Cause sometimes it, you know, it's, they might be going through something too and can't handle it. But um, I think it really, you just have to have open communication with one trusted person if you get one person to talk to it opens up some doors quick question do you have Mm -hmm. siblings no 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 so I yeah again I'm used to handling things on my own (laughs) so I grew up in a household with you know kind of I don't want to say it's hostile in terms of words so I grew up in a I would say verbally abusive household and it was just me so I kind of had to fend for myself a lot And that made things a lot harder as I got older, too, because it's like, you know, I always want to protect my mom. Um, So when she became the person I need to protect my son from, that was hard because it was like I betrayed her because I'm, you know, I'm her only child. I'm I'm my father's only child, too. So it was it was just always difficult. And I never wanted to disappoint my parents. That was like a huge, huge thing because I grew up with all eyes on me Um, and talking about the things that I talk about. You know, it felt they both felt betrayed at a different point. Um, again, my dad came around, my mom has her moments. I'm sure she would hate to like, listen to this, <laughs> but again, it is what it is. Cause I feel like, not, I feel like I've been told that my opinions and my voice has helped, has helped a few people. So I'm going to keep talking about it because I deserve to like process and tell my story and, you know, let it all, let it all out. So, um, Tina to you, mm-hmm. what would a world where everyone put their mental health first look like? Mm. I don't know. I think it would just look like freedom. And that might mean different things for different people. Um, I know for me, oh my God, like it's crazy because I wouldn't even know what it would feel like to be constantly relaxed. <laughs> like I feel like I wake up every day more anxious than anything else. And I, it's hard to imagine a world where like I just wake up and, and do things. And I know that sounds crazy, but like some days waking up and going outside is a chore. So like, I can't imagine waking up and going outside every day and just being able to like live my life. But to me, it feels like freedom. I imagine like if a world where mental health is put first is like where somebody who has 
uh, some challenges that they can call out and say mm-hmm. the reason and just not have to call back until they're ready to come back into work. <laughs> Shit like that yeah. um, would definitely, I would imagine, based on what you're saying with feel I mean, I, every, I think everybody has in mental health challenges, some of us more than others, mm-hmm. but I feel like, you know, when, when you said freedom, I think that's a, that's like basic, right? Yeah. And I think it would, it would create more understanding too. Cause like we all have bad days and like, if you know, your coworkers having a bad day, they're not going to come in that day. That's fine. And like, they'll understand it when it's your turn to do the same thing. Like we all go through things. We all have like life issues. We have home issues and it's hard. Like they expect you to go to work and turn everything off. Like we're human beings. Like we're going to feel things. We're going to be upset about things. Some days I don't care about your report because I'm going through stuff at home. That's just, you know, that's just what it is. That's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's absolutely true. Let's just thank you, Tina, for coming over to our podcast, coming in, coming over and sharing your story with us because um, this was definitely needed. And I think we're all like thinking ourselves. I don't know. I don't want to speak to anybody else. I'm thinking about how I can also um you know, you just improve the way I'm going about my mental health as well. So I appreciate it. Um, but can you tell us where you can be found in the internet, world of the internet, and if you're having any um, events or anything like that? Sure. So thank you for having me, first of all. Um, I can be found on my website, tinakamani.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-M-A-N-I.com. And my Instagram is tina underscore kamani. Um, so yeah, so I blog on my, my Tina Kamani blog and I just write about anything mental health related or anything that I'm going through. Um, I also somehow squeeze in travel. So I travel a lot and I have a second blog, a travel blog, ladyjetsetter.com. So if you're interested in travel, you can check that out. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's where I could be found online. TinaKamani.com. Hold up. So where you been girl? Where you went to? What's, what's, you know, what countries? I've been, I've been settling down because of COVID. I got back from Jamaica in September. In 2019, I did Brazil, Ireland, Finland, Sweden, um, all in the year. Um, I have some domestic trips coming up to, where am I going? Chicago. Uh, I'm doing Chicago's with my son. I'm going with a friend to Tennessee. Yeah, I've been trying to keep it local just because I don't want to be that American bringing COVID somewhere else. So, but I intend to get back to my international trips maybe like next year. So nice. We should we should have talked about that too. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, I'll come back. We could do a travel day. <laughs> yeah. yeah but no, I try to do a travel uh, at least one with my son. We do like a mommy son trip every year, and then I'll go away with either my girls. And I try to do a solo trip for mental health. I do a lot of solo trips for mental health. That's a big one. Nice. Mm-hmm. yeah um i want to hear about ireland because that's been on my radar that was a solo trip that was it was a good time it's gonna be a solo <laughs> trip and then it's not a solo trip anymore but it's okay yeah yeah we could talk about ireland okay well thank you again um and yes we, we need to have you back on to talk about travel because you know that's that's what we need so thank you all for again for listening to the awkward stare If you like what you hear, please share with some friends and follow us for more content like this. And we love hearing from you all. So you can either slide into our DMs at The Awkward Stare Podcast on Instagram, or you can also email us at theawkwardstare at gmail.com. That's theawkwardstare at gmail.com. Bye. Later. Bye.